You are listening to Pastor Scott Rising of Harvest Community Church in Catanning, Pennsylvania. We pray that you will be challenged today as you listen to a sermon entitled, Revelation Leads to Adoration, recorded on Sunday, January 20th, 2019. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org. Let's join Pastor Scott as he preaches. Okay, so uh, I have the pleasure of uh, sharing uh, a little bit more detail about a a church plant that uh, Pastor Mike announced uh, here a couple of weeks ago, and we've got a lot going on around Harvest, and we're excited about that. God's moving in mighty ways, and we've We've been blessed with a, a deep bench, if you will, in leadership around Harvest. But uh, our goal isn't to become comfortable. It's to become effective and, and taking the gospel into the communities that, that we already touch and to look for others that we, we haven't impacted yet. So uh, you heard Pastor Mike announce that uh, my son, Pastor Fred, is going to be leaving Harvest and transitioning to a church plant of his own. And what that means is that's going to be a standalone church. It's not a campus of Harvest Community Church. It's going to be a a church in the lower borough area. And they're currently uh, collecting a core, which means a group of people that will come together as leaders and help to effectively plan and to launch out their church effort in that that area. So I'm going to ask Pastor Fred... Greg and your families to come up, and if you would just stand here for a second, uh, we're going to also ask the elders to to come up, and and we're going to pray in just a minute uh, for their efforts and uh, commission them uh, to to go. Uh, But in uh, preparation for that, I've asked uh, Fred to share just a couple of words. uh. Yeah, I just wanted the opportunity to say thanks to our church family. It's uh, it's, I think, almost impossible, I think, to express the emotion that, that we're experiencing right now. Uh, I've been at Harvest for over 15 years. Kim's been here for 18 years. This is where we met. This is where we started dating. We got married on this stage. Um, you know, our, our, our kids were dedicated here and have, this is, this is our family. This is just where we've come up, and, and uh, it's just been an amazing, amazing period of time. And when we've been struggling, when we've been hurting, uh, this is our church family that's been there for us and carried us through that. So there's just so many things to try to process, but at the same time, it's almost impossible for me to be sad because we're so excited about what we see God about to do, and we're so thrilled to be a part of that. And um, just amazingly grateful for the Bolowitz family for jumping in with us and being a part of this church plant. And so... um, but we just want to say thanks. We want to tell you how much we appreciate you, how much we love you. Um, we desperately hope that you will continue to think of us and pray for us and stay in touch with us. And uh, if the Lord ever allows, come visit us sometime. We would love that. And uh, just let me know you're coming. I won't, I won't plan lunch, and you can take us out to lunch afterwards. That would be great. And the Bolowitzes and all their kids are included in that invitation, I assume. Uh, but we would just really love that. If you would like to... Um, if you'd like to stay in touch, you can, you can go to our website, redemptionpa.org, or uh, hook up with, with us on Facebook, sign up for our newsletter. We just would, would cherish the opportunity to stay in touch with you and communicate uh, about what God is doing, and we'd just love to have your prayers. So please keep praying for us. Pray for Lower Burrow. Um, there's 150,000 people within a 20-minute drive of where we hope to plant a church, and very few of them uh, have responded to the gospel. And so we're so excited. Uh, we just feel like we have the greatest news in the world and we get to go share it. So thank you for sending us out and for being so supportive of us. We love you and we appreciate you. We're going to ask you guys to tighten up a little bit here and the other elders to come up and lay hands on. But this isn't a new concept for us at Harvest. This is something that we've done uh, several times before in a couple of different ways. So uh, we're... Uh, pledging to you, our congregation, not to to try to get comfortable. We could become very comfortable with what God is uh, doing in our our church and and what we're doing with uh, you folks, but we we seek to do this time and time again. It's how we went to Petrolia Valley, Indiana, Freeport, and we're excited for uh, Fred and and these families and and several other people that might even be here tonight that's going to be a part of this core uh, we're praying for, for you all as you go, and, and we want to be a part of continuing to lift you up in prayer. So join me in praying. 
Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful for how you called a, a group of men together here about 2,000 years ago and commissioned them to take your word into the world and share it with all those that, that they come in contact with to teach what you've taught them. And Lord, because they did go, because they shared that word, we stand here tonight studying your word, sharing your word with people in our community. And we send these families out and, and the, those that plan to go with them to do the exact same thing, Lord. We pray that the Holy Spirit would guide them, protect them as they go. Uh, we know that Satan will be prowling at their, their feet to try to undermine opportunities to advance your gospel into dark areas, to, to areas that don't have relationships with you, Lord. So we pray that you would equip them, guide them, bless them, direct them, and uh, we say in Jesus' name, amen. Well, hello, Harvest Community Church. It's good to be with you all today. Um, hopefully, you were here last week as Pastor Mike started to break down and kick off the sermon series that we entitled, Not by Bread Alone, where he preached on the absolute necessity of feeding our souls with the Word of God. Because we're absolutely convinced that in order for Harvest Community Church to increase in health and in size, we must be a people who love God, specifically love Him through the Word of God where He reveals Himself to us. It's, it's really impossible for us to know the depth of God apart from His Word. And so we must be a people who love the Bible. And here's the thing, though. If you're like most, then my guess, my guess is that you already know that you should read the Bible, right? I don't think that's news to anyone here, that you should read the Bible, Although many, although you know it's true, probably still do not read the Bible on any regular basis. That is my experience. And, and this should go to show us that information alone is not enough, right? Knowing what to do many times is not sufficient. What we need is we need transformation. We need God to help us. And so my prayer is that God would do a miracle in our hearts as we continue in this discipleship Bible reading plan, that God would give us a profound love for Him and His Word. My hope is that God's glory and His worship would be our driving factor and driving force, not guilt, right? Because guilt will only last so long. But for this to happen, I think it's, it's really important for us to understand why we need to read the Bible, Right? I mean, think about it. Why do you read the Bible? You don't have to answer that right now, but as you're sitting there, I would ask you to think about why is it that you read the Bible? There are many answers that you could give to that question. And, and actually, there's many answers that the Bible gives to that question. And you could give good, solid, biblical text as to why. But I remember back when I started walking with Christ and when he had saved me, and I really knew nothing about what it meant to be a Jesus follower. But I, I was trying to figure it out, and I noticed everyone at the church that I was going to at the time, they were carrying their Bibles around with them. So I rightly assumed that we were supposed to read it. The problem was, is I had no clue what the Bible really was, or how to read it, or where to begin if I ever got around to wanting to read it. I certainly did not know why I should read it, other than that's what Christians do. So, I observe, other Christians are reading it, so I concluded, well, it must be a good thing to do. God will probably like me better if I were to read this book. I start asking around. I hear many people tell me as to why I should be reading the Bible. And, and one well-intended man, you might be just like this, and you may have given an answer just like this, so kind of poking at it, but it's got some truth to it. He told me, Scott, he goes, listen, man, listen, the Bible, the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. You may have heard of this, right? Now, I got to tell you, if there's one way to get a man to never want to read anything is tell him that it's instructions, right? We just came out of Christmas, right? So, I'm actually at the age now where my daughter, she's 13, and I don't have to put together a lot of different things, right? There was a time where it was like a very frustrating thing. You're always putting together these things, and I was trying to avoid the instruction manual. So when he tells me this, I'm like, that really did not do it for me, right? 
And, and, and let's be real. There's nothing basic about the instructions that are in the Bible. Right? So you start in Genesis, and you start to read, and you start to read Leviticus, and you start to read all these different books of the Bible. And I'm thinking, if this is basic, I'm tapping out. Like, I don't know where I need to get the instructions that are basic, but all the books I've read so far, nothing basic about them. So let's, let's get this straight right now. Right? The greatest reason to read the Bible is not so that we can understand some dry do's and don't list. And it's not even, not even primarily so that we can have instruction or wisdom for living. No. Although there's, that is surely in the Bible. So what is the primary reason that we read the Bible? I think it's an important question to ask and to answer. And I'm going to be working hard to do that from the text today. Do you remember, though, so let's just get to the quick of it, right? Do you remember Jesus, before the night before his execution in his high priestly prayer, he says this in John 17, 3. He says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Right? Or how about what Jesus said in John 15, where he says these, he says this, quote, he says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Okay, now we're getting close to the sweet spot, right? So we read the Bible to know and to enjoy God, and to have life with Jesus Christ, life that starts now and lasts forever. That's for the youth students that were on the mission trip. That was the thing that we were drilling home to them. We don't have to wait to go to heaven to be with Jesus, to enjoy communing with Jesus. That starts the moment we believe. And we know God through his word. So worship, worship, adoration must remain the main goal of Bible reading all the time. All the time. That's our driver. See, our theology or our understanding of God, that informs our worship. We cannot worship the the God we don't know. And you cannot truly know God apart from his word. And as we get to know God through the word, Well, what happens is the Holy Spirit who abides and lives in all believers works to open our eyes and see God. And as that happens, we worship Him. We love Him. We lay down everything for the sake of the gospel because we've seen this glorious God. And then this worship, this worship of this good and glorious God, it starts to drive and fuel the mission. Right? We do because we've seen We've seen. You don't have to tell someone that the bacon's ready when the bacon's ready to get up and eat, right? To go back to what Pastor Mike said last week. When you smell it, if you've tasted it, oh, you're going to go get it. The problem is, is many of us in our Bible reading, that we've not tasted it. We've not seen. And that's the problem. So, listen, with all that being said, let's open the Bible. Let's open the Bible. Will you open it with me to Luke 24? As I'm going to be reading from verses 13 through 35, so please follow along with me. I'm going to read the, the whole thing in its totality, and then we're just going to work our way down through, and, uh, and we're going to ask God to open our eyes to see how beautiful He is in His revealed Word. All right, verse 13, Luke 24. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. 
Moreover, some women of our company amazed us that they were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Now some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if they were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took and broke, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is an awesome story, right? Like this is normally reserved for for Easter, but it's not just an Easter story. This is an awesome story of King Jesus doing a lot of teaching. We're not going to get to all of this today, but we are going to get to some of this greatness. Let's do it. Let's let's work back through. So we read two disciples making their way on on a road, seven mile walk to Jerusalem to from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Chances are good that they had traveled into the city for the Passover celebration. But now, now it's time that they were going back to their hometown. And not surprisingly, they were talking to each other about what had just happened. I bet they were. What a crazy, crazy time it must have been. This had to be the talk of the town for all people. Jesus, the one whom they had hoped would be the one to redeem Israel, they have either just heard or they have actually witnessed him be beaten, bloodied, and crucified. So imagine for a moment what they must have felt during that seven-mile walk. What a long and lonely journey. But, but well before they arrived to their destination, they're interrupted by a stranger. At least this man seemed to be a stranger to them, because they were prevented from recognizing him. But you and I are let in on a secret, right? This is Jesus himself. And this seems like the making of the most amazing punk show ever, right? I mean, imagine it. I mean, Jesus is really having a lot of fun with them, I think. Resurrected Jesus asked them, well, what is the conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And these two had to be shocked that the man had not heard of the recent events that had just happened. So they began to unpack the crucifixion and all the empty tomb stories that they just heard. And Jesus responds, Oh foolish ones, oh foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and, and enter into his glory? I mean, the irony of this is amazing, right? You can picture it. You can see it, I hope. Jesus corrects the two travelers, telling them that their problem is that they have been a little slow on the uptake to believe the prophets, right? And they missed that the Christ would have to suffer these things and enter into his glory. I mean, it's a terrifying thing to think that it's possible to be staring at the treasure that your soul longs for and yet not be able to see it. That's terrifying. The ultimate source of joy is standing right there in front of them, and they cannot see him. They cannot see him. They're not putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. They have read the Scriptures, but they've missed it. So they continue their journey, and Jesus has a Bible study. And I love that. In beginning, in verse 27, it says, In beginning with Moses... And the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning 
himself. Man, what an awesome time that would have been, right? I mean, so if worship is the main goal of Bible reading, and I'm saying it is, then we must understand something very important to get this. In order to worship Jesus through the Bible reading, right, this year and years to come until the Lord returns or you go see him, we must see that every single text of the Bible points to Jesus, from Genesis to Revelation. It's all about him. The whole Bible is about King Jesus. Unfortunately, it's possible It's possible to join our slow-of-heart friends on the road to Emmaus and read the Scriptures and miss Jesus. It's possible. That would be a huge mistake, but it certainly is possible. It's one that I've made. It's one that I've made early on in my walk. There were many times that I did not see Jesus. I was just reading the Bible to get it done. And I wasn't seeing Him. I wasn't worshiping. I'm just checking boxes. And it only lasts so long. We can make the mistake of making the Bible a book about rules or a book about heroes. or, or, Or worse yet, a book about us. But that's not the case. See, the Bible, the Bible is both true history, absolutely, and a story about how this gracious and glorious God came to seek the lost. Seek the lost through the person of the work of Jesus Christ who lived and died in our place so that we could be saved by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ and live with God forever in a remade world. That's what the Bible is about. It's about King Jesus. It's all about him. And we need eyes to see that. Take, listen, take Genesis, for example. Which, if you're doing this discipleship reading plan, you would have read this week, right? So, After God makes all things and declares them good, everything quickly went horribly wrong as a consequence of evil that entered the world through outright rebellion of Adam and Eve. As they sinned against a holy and just God. In order, listen, in order for everything to be made right again, God spoke of his plan to rescue humanity and the broken world from sin's corruption and from the wrath of God that was hanging and looming over all of creation. Listen to what God said to Satan, who is the great deceiver in the garden in Genesis 3.15. So let's read this. He says, I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He, Jesus, shall bruise your head. And you, Satan, you shall bruise his heel. Now, now you may have read that and never seen Jesus in it. Heck, there were many times that I had never seen Christ in that text. And I don't know whether it was a commentary or a preacher, or, or I don't know what it was, but there was a day that, boy, I saw Christ in that, and it came alive. Because get this, that is God preaching the first gospel to Adam and Eve. It's good news. It's good news of a promised coming Messiah named Jesus, who would be harmed by Satan on the cross, but he would ultimately crush his head upon the cross when he triumphantly resurrects from the grave. And in that moment, he defeats Satan's sin and death. And it's right there in Genesis 3. And there are many, many things like that throughout the Bible. So get this. Uh, we just took about 30-some adults to CrossCon, right? And it's a missions conference. And, and there was a preacher there that day, um, I think it was Thursday, when he got up, he was going to preach about how Christ was seen in the Old Testament, which was really neat because I was there with Pastor Kevin, and while we were there, we're talking about this text that I'm going to be having the opportunity to preach today. And, and as we're talking about it, we're, we're really enjoying that. But then... That morning, we get there, and this preacher stands up, and he rattles off all the places, you may have heard it, watched it online, where Jesus is seen in the Old Testament. And i got to tell you, it was a worshipful moment. It was awesome. So, here's my feeble attempt at that, only we're going to go the whole way to the end of the book, right? So, for my help from the preacher, a couple resources, the Holy Spirit, let's do this, right? So, where is Christ seen in all the Bible? Let's go. Well, in Genesis, listen, Jesus is the word of God creating the heavens and the earth who is the promised head crusher to come. In Exodus, Jesus is the Passover lamb whose blood was sprinkled on the doorpost of our hearts so that we, we might be set free from the bondage of death. 
In Leviticus, Jesus is the temple and the high priest. In Numbers, Jesus is living water in the desert. In Deuteronomy, Jesus comes and he is the curse for us. In Joshua, Jesus is the commander of the army of the Lord. In Judges, Jesus is the one who delivers us from injustice. In Ruth, oh, in Ruth, Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, Jesus is the perfect prophet, priest, and king of grace and love. In First and Second Kings, Jesus is a righteous ruler greater than Solomon. In First and Second Chronicles, Jesus is the Son of God that is coming to rule and restore the kingdom. In Ezra, Jesus is the priest proclaiming freedom. In Nehemiah, Jesus is the one who restores what is broken down. In Esther, Jesus is the protector and advocate of his people. In Job, Job, oh, Jesus is the mediator between God and man. In Psalms, Jesus is our song in the morning and in the evening. In Proverbs, Jesus is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, Jesus is the meaning of life in the midst of madness. In the Song of Solomon, Jesus is, he is the lover of our soul and our bridegroom. In Isaiah, Jesus is the son that would be born to you, who would be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the suffering servant who would be wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities so that you and I could be healed. In Jeremiah, Jesus is the weeping Messiah. In Lamentations, Jesus assumes God's wrath for us. In Ezekiel, Jesus is the Son of Man who is the river of life who brings healing to the nations. In Daniel, Jesus is the stranger who's with us in the fire. In Hosea, Jesus is the ever-faithful husband. And even when we run away to whore after other gods, he pursues and loves. In Joel, he is sending his spirit to his people. In Amos, Jesus delivers justice to the oppressed. In Obadiah, Jesus is the judge of all the earth. How about Jonah? In Jonah, Jesus is the greatest missionary who has cast out of the storm and into the storm so that you and I could be brought in. In Micah, Jesus cast our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. In Nahum, Jesus proclaims future world peace that we cannot imagine. In Habakkuk, Jesus crushes injustice and gives us reason to rejoice even when our fields are empty. In Zephaniah, Jesus is the warrior who saves us and will rejoice over us with shouts of gladness. In Haggai, Jesus is the cleansing fountain who restores our worship. In Zechariah, Jesus is the Messiah who's pierced for us. In Malachi, Jesus is the son of the righteous rising sun who brings healing upon his wings. In Matthew, the New Testament, Jesus is the Messiah who is king. In Mark, Jesus is the Messiah who is the Son of God. In Luke, Jesus is the Messiah who is our deliverer. In John, Jesus is the Messiah who is God in the flesh, full of grace and truth. In Acts, Jesus is the Spirit who dwells in his people as the church goes forward. In Romans, Jesus is righteousness of God for us. In First and Second Corinthians, Jesus is power and love of God that is the down payment for what is to come. In Galatians, Jesus is our justification and our very life. In Ephesians, he's our bridegroom in the unity within the church. In Philippians, Jesus is our joy and our life. In Colossians, Jesus upholds supreme position in all things. In First and Second Thessalonians, Jesus is our comfort and in the last days, our returning king. In First and Second Timothy, Jesus is the savior of the worst sinners and the leader of all leaders. In Titus, Jesus is the foundation of our truth. In Philemon, Jesus is our mediator. In Hebrews, Jesus is our great and perfect high priest in James. James, he is the one who remains steadfast under trial so that you and I could count it all joy in the midst of ours. Oh, in First and Second Peter, Jesus is our hope in times of suffering and the one who guards us from false teaching. In First, Second, and Third John, Jesus is God in the flesh and our source of all fellowship and all truth. In Jude, Jesus is the one who protects us from stumbling and presents us blameless before the one true and glorious God. And in the book of Revelation, Jesus is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And he is coming again to judge the living and the dead in order to make all things new. That's King Jesus. This book is about him. This book is about him. On every page, it is dripping with the blood of Christ. 
How can we not read it? The question is, do you see? Do you see the whole Bible as one great big love story that revolves around the person and the work of Jesus Christ? Oh, God, help us see. Because listen, when you do, if you do, when you see, you will not be able to help but jump in and keep reading to see. Because he's good. But how many, how many of us are like these two on the road to Emmaus who are slow of heart with Jesus right in front of us and we cannot see? See, too many people make the huge mistake when they wrongly think that the Bible is reserved for some scholarly, pointy-headed people of the world. It's not, I promise you. It's not. It's available to all who by God's will and grace humble themselves and ask Him to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. See, in a world where Jesus is seemingly incognito or disguised, how is He known? How is He known? If you don't know Him through the Word, you probably have a God made much more in your image than in the image of who He really is revealed in His Word. Make no mistake about it, Jesus reveals himself through the Bible, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how you know God. So if the risen Christ on that first Easter day made himself through the, revealed himself through the Bible, then why should we be surprised if he still chooses to do so today? We should not be. But what if you're reading your Bible and you still do not find Jesus or the Bible to be enjoyable? Because that might happen to you. It happened to me the first few years of my walk. I mean, Jesus was enjoyable to me, right? Because I was like, yeah, I mean, he saved me from hell. But that was really about the extent. I mean, that's a pretty big extent, don't get me wrong. But I would try to read the Bible, and it just it was not working. I would try, I would try. And I've told you the story before, and if not, I'll give you the quick version here. There was one night, I was at my wit's end. I'm trying to read this thing. My wife, she's upstairs. I'm reading it. I fall asleep. I fall on the ground. I smash my head off the ground. True story. And I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I feel stupid because I keep trying to read this Bible, and all I do is fall asleep. But I got on my knees. I asked God to help me. And I would encourage you to do the same. Be real. Listen, if you're like, man, read the Bible in a year, I'd be lucky to read it like five times in a year. Then that's where you're at. Ask God to change your heart. Make a plan. Get in the Bible. Ask someone to read with you. Get on your knees and get your face in the Bible and ask God to help you see his glory because when you do, no one's going to have to ask you to read the Bible. I guarantee that. Ask him to open the eyes of your heart to see him as supremely beautiful, the treasure. So let's look at our text again back in 28. So they draw near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if they were going a little further, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us, stay with us for it is towards evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and he, he blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And verse 31 says, and their eyes were opened and they recognized him. That's what we need. See, in order to worship Jesus through Bible reading, we need to pray that God would reveal more of Jesus through our time in the Word. That's what we need. That's a miracle. We need that. So let me be careful and let me be clear here. If you're sitting here and you're trusting in Jesus for your salvation, then you're a walking, talking miracle. You're a miracle. Because you went from death to life. Jesus caused your dead heart. He rips it out. He puts a new one in. He breathes life into your soul. You come alive. You see Jesus as beautiful. You didn't do that. The Holy Spirit did that. And as you see him as beautiful, you just cling to him. That's faith. That's grace. God did that. But here's the thing. Just because you see him as your treasure now, doesn't mean that you see him for all that he is. There's much more of God to be seen. So God, through the proclamation of the gospel, caused your blind eyes to see Jesus as Savior, Lord, and treasure. But that doesn't mean you see Jesus perfectly. None of us do. We're looking through this lens or this mirror, and it's dim, and it's barely lit. But we see enough, but we need to see more. That's why we need him to continue to reveal himself to us. Reveal more of his goodness to us through his word by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
That is exactly what the Apostle Paul prays for directly after this avalanche of praise in Ephesians 1. Of, listen, he prays. So in Ephesians chapter 1, 3 through 14, he just goes off on the glory of God. And then his response to this avalanche of praise is to pray. To pray for him, for the church. Listen to his prayer. Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. And you should make this your own. This is a great prayer. It's in the Bible, right? So for this reason, because of this praise, because of this glorious God, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glory, his inheritance in the saints, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fulfills all in all enlighten our eyes see I love this because the apostle Paul he's praying for the church in Ephesus right he's praying that God the God of the Lord Jesus Christ the father of glory would give this church a spirit of wisdom and revelation that's what we need we need him to reveal more of himself through his word while we're reading the word while we're reading the bible we're praying God help me see Why? So that in the knowledge of him, so that we would see Jesus better. How? By having the eyes of our hearts enlightened. We need more light to come in. As you read the Bible, more light comes in. Darkness gets shaken out. And the thing is, the greatest blessing, listen, the greatest blessing that any of us can receive as we attempt to read the Bible this year is to know God better, to know him more fully, to know his love more infinitely, to see him more clearly. And we do that as we engage him in the word. For that to happen, we need God to help us see. We need him to do the hard work of opening our eyes. But it's not hard for him. But we have to do the hard work of reading. You got to read. You got to pick it up. You got to read it. Or hit play and get it in your ears. However you can get that food into your ears, into your mouth, you got to do it. You got to find what works for you. But... Also, it happens through those who humbly ask him to reveal more of himself through our time in the Bible. My friend John Piper, I say that loosely because John doesn't even know we're friends. Um, But I got to tell you, he is a friend of mine, right? Because he has taught me much as I've read his books and different things. He's been a great blessing to me, and he's helped me in this regard. He's taught me this little prayer outline, I-O-U-S-L, that you can make your own and should. I know I have. Now, let me be clear. This does not not take the labor out of reading. It, It does not do that. It's not some magic incantation that when you read it, it's guaranteed to open your eyes. However, I found it very helpful. I hope you do as well. So let's, I'm just going to break it down. I hope God gives grace for you to enjoy this. So I-O-U-S-L-E, incline. And this is a great prayer. Before we read the Bible, God, incline my heart towards you, towards your testimonies. Lord, open my eyes that I may behold your wondrous things out of your law. Help me to see. Get the junk out of my eye. Lord, I have many things clouding my vision. I need you to open my eyes. Make it your own, right? Unite you. Unite my heart to fear your name. I'm prone to wonder, God. There's a thousand things I'd rather do today. Admit it. You you think God doesn't know? He knows. So you might as well confess it because then healing comes in. And then you ask him, unite my heart. Help me to be reminded that I'm in Christ and you're in me. Unite my heart to fear you. And God, satisfy me as I read your word. Satisfy me in the morning with your steadfast love so that I may rejoice and be glad all my days. 
And as you're satisfied, as this starts to happen, you ask God to lead you, to lead me in paths of love and in righteousness. Oh, church, let's be a people who pray. The Bible reading doesn't start with you sitting down and opening your word. It starts with you praying. It starts with you praying because if you're like me, I wake up and I'm cold. I'm cold spiritually. I need help. I need you to do this miracle in my heart. So I want to read a quote from my friend John Piper regarding this exact subject of reading the Bible. Listen as I read. So he says this, The Scriptures reveal God's glory. This glory, God willing, is seen by those who read the Bible. Thus, seeing gives rise by God's grace to savoring God above all things, treasuring Him, hoping in Him, feeling Him as our greatest reward, tasting Him as our all-satisfying good. End quote. That's what we need. Because if God does, if, and listen, he, he loves to do this. When He does this, you will read more and more. So like, if you eat physical food, you might feel like dead and bloated, right? Like Thanksgiving, Christmas, or most of my days. That happens. But the Word of God's different than that. The more you eat, the more hungry you become. It's like, a, it's like a fire that's just going, and you start throwing logs onto the fire, and it just starts going hotter and hotter and hotter. And this is what happens. This is exactly what happens. Now, this is what happened to our friends on the road to Emmaus. Look at verse 32 again. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? While he what? Opened to us the scriptures. They were worshiping. They, they were experiencing something internal that was amazing because God had opened the Scriptures and He had opened their eyes and they had seen. No wonder their hearts were burning with worshipful excitement as that Jesus opened the Scriptures to them and for them. See, the resurrection, it makes perfect sense out of the whole story of the Bible. And without it, our faith would be dead. You'd be foolish to be worshiping a guy who's somewhere dead in the Middle East. But indeed, he rose. See, Jesus has triumphantly risen from the grave, and he's defeated Satan's sin and death. And because of that fact, he has authority and power over everything to say, finished and kept over all the promises of the Old Testament. And if you're in Christ, those promises are for you. And that's amazing. And don't you want to know what those promises are? They're revealed in the Bible. Oh, read it, please, I'm begging you. And of all the promises of the Old Testament, as you see them, yeah, they're for the Jews, but guess what? You're a spiritual Jew, baby. Believe that. And they're true for you. So now we can look back at the horror of the crucifixion and see this is great news. Oh, it's great news. And the more we see that, the more clearly our hearts will be set on fire with love and adoration for Christ. And when God reveals more of Jesus to us through the Bible, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will respond with adoration. You can't help it. You cannot help it. Have you ever seen an amazing sunset? Have you ever been on vacation? Maybe your house. Maybe you got a great spot for a sunset. You see that. You cannot help but say, man, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Right? No one has to tell you to do that. Why do you do that? You're, in a sense, worshiping. Now, hopefully, if you know Jesus, you're saying, God, you're awesome. Look at this. The heavens declare your glory. You're amazing, Jesus. But even an atheist, when they see a sunset, they say, wow, thank you, nothing. I mean, they see, but they're amazed. They're amazed. And no one had to tell them to do that. That's what happens. Well, that's what happens when we see and savor Jesus in the Bible. No one has to tell you to get excited. And actually, we shouldn't even do that. I've read the Bible at times where I'm not excited. No, you shouldn't try to get your emotions up. But you might want to get on your face and ask God to help you. To help you see, to lift your head, and to wait on the Lord who will do that. If not now, when you go see Him in glory, then... But God, help us see. See, Jesus opened my eyes from death to life about 20 years ago, and I'm eternally thankful. And as I've been walking with him and getting to know him better through his word, by his power, and in community with a bunch of Jesus freaks, 
right? I'm serious. You want to get into the Bible? Get into a community with people who love Christ. And then grab a few who are just kind of like, eh, and then pray that the Lord would set them on fire too. People have done that. They didn't drag me along early on because I was awesome. There's actually a family here that I think back to the early days. They kept inviting me to these Bible studies, and I'm very thankful. I knew them before I ever came to Harvest. They tolerated me right? They tolerated me, and I'm thankful that they did, because as they did, they were reading the Bible. They were excited about the Bible, and I'm like, mm, I don't know. I need some help here. And, but, but that was contagious to me. So grab some people who love Jesus, and grab some who, well, they need a little help. They need a little help. And read, and read, and labor in the Bible. And as you do, you will worship him See, lastly, I guess I want to say this. Some could make the mistake of saying, well, of course, you're a pastor, right? You're a pastor. Of course you love reading the Bible. All you do is probably sit around, right, read the Bible, pray, and sing all the day long. First off, it's creepy that you watch me. Um, And second off, that's not true. Um, but even if it were, I was not always a pastor, right? I was not born a pastor. In high school, I was voted least likely to be a pastor. I know there are some people in this room who would give me an amen because they knew me in high school. But here's the thing. I don't wake up every day saying, yippee skippy, time to read the Bible. And I bet none of you do. I bet none of you do. Not hardly. But see, you and I, we need grace and we need new morning mercy. Oh, we need that. But here's the good news. God provides it. He provides it. Ask Him for it. Ask Him for it. We need grace. We need God to reveal more and more of His beauty and worth to us every day. And this is why we pray, and this is why we read the Bible. And here's the thing. David models this. I want to finish with Psalm 63, 1 through 5. And I want you to listen as I read. He says this, he says, oh God. So remember, revelation leads to adoration. It happens, right? Through Bible reading, by the power of the Holy Spirit, as you see God in his Bible, as Jesus reveals more of his goodness and his glory to us, you cannot help but to raise your hands. Even if it's like, if maybe you don't do that physically, inside your heart, they're like, woo, right? You're worshiping. You can't help it. It's like seeing the sunset. Only the God who made it. And he wants you to know him. And he reveals himself through the word. Look at Psalm 63 with me. He says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, earnestly I seek you. My soul, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh, it faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So, so first thing we notice is this, this man's thirsty. And whether you know it or not, every one of you are thirsty. And we all go to different places to drink. But the only thing that's going to satisfy you is drinking from living water. And living water is in the Bible. Jesus is revealed in the Bible. See, you and I, we are created to glorify God. We're created to do that. We're created to worship Him, to enjoy Him. But you and I, because of our fallen nature, we have decided in our sinfulness to worship and serve creature rather than creator. So you and I, we go to all these broken cisterns that hold water, but they really can't hold water. They cannot hold the weight of eternity. So we go to things like power, money, marriage, kids, to do a God thing for us. But all those things make horrible gods. The reason we do that is because we're thirsty. We're thirsty. The only one who can satisfy our spiritual thirst is God. And David knows that, and he earnestly goes to him, and he says, oh, quench my thirst, but I'm dry. I'm dry. I thirst for you, God. My flesh faints. You ever been that thirsty physically? I don't think I have. I don't think I have. But I have been that thirsty spiritually. And I've went to many other things that couldn't satisfy my thirst. But it didn't stop me from going to them. How foolish are we? How foolish are we to go to the toilet bowls of the world to take a drink when living water is right there? Drink. Drink 
Verse 2, he says, So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary. He says, Beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life. Because of that. Listen, because of that, my lips will praise you. He can see. And his revelation of God's glory and power are leading to adoration. So I will bless you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Oh God, I pray that he would help us to see and to savor and to enjoy him this year. This year, dive into the Bible Get your Bible journal reading plan. But if that's like not your cup of tea, get a different plan. Get a different plan because the goal, the goal is to get you in the Bible and ask God to do the miracle in your heart to help you see Jesus is glorious because when he is, you won't need a plan. You won't, oh, you may need a plan because like without a plan, you're going to probably just drift along. I need a plan and earnestly seek him. Earnestly seek him. Harvest Community Church. Let's make 2019 a year where we are marked by prayer and seeking God through reading the Bible and trusting God to provide us with more of Him. That's our prayer. Let's do this. Let's ask God to help us. And when you, when you get off the wagon of reading the Bible, it will happen, I promise you. I could almost pick the spots in the Bible where it's going to happen. But I won't, because I don't even want to set you up for failure like that. But it's going to happen. When you do... Start whenever that bender's done, right, of not reading. Start there, because if it took you a year and a half to read the whole Bible, praise God. If it took you two years to read the whole Bible, praise God, because God, he can take a sentence and feed your soul so amazingly that you will worship and adore him all the days of your life. He can do that. Ask him to do that. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. We invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.